Now, Pete Weatherburn, our vet uh, from uh, his uh, practice there, an old Connor in Bray, joins us. Hi, Pete. Good morning, Declan. Good morning. Thanks for joining us uh, today, uh, talking to us from the animal world. And you know something, um, we've got some questions for you, but uh, before that, what caught my eye was uh, this story coming out of Hong Kong. That's going to be a cull, it's going to be a situation where about 2,000 hamsters and other small animals are going to be euthanized because of COVID-19. Um, what's the background to this story? It's pretty interesting stuff. What, what happened was, first of all, on Monday, a pet, sh- a pet shop employee tested positive for COVID, um, and then they tested several hamsters in the store that had recently been imported from the Netherlands, and they turned out to be positive as well. So one, then what they said is, well, all the other hamsters that were imported in recent weeks, and that's 2,000 of them, they're just being euthanized anyway. Um, and as well as that, they're calling on hamster owners across Hong Kong to, to, to bring in their hamsters to be tested to see if they're positive. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite an unexpected turn of things. Um, yeah, and what about a you know, jump-the-species type of bug? Is, is, uh, is SARS-CoV-2 uh, one that jumps across? I mean, we allegedly have got it from some sort of uh, animals in a, in a market, but uh, yeah. this whole thing of, of jumping the species. But this is the other thing that's interesting. What we know to date about COVID is that um, animals aren't involved in transmitting it to humans at all, but animals that live with people who are COVID-positive very rarely they can end up as being positive themselves. Now, those animals, dogs and cats, they don't spread it to other animals or to, or to humans, but they just end up with positive and end up with minor signs themselves. But we've known that's been going on for a while. But the other interesting aspect is that there's a theory that Omicron, the, that, the, the, the new variant, um, one of the strange things about it was that it had quite a number of mutations, which is why it was such a, a, an interesting new strain that's caused such problems. And what, they re- what some people reckon is that the, the, the original COVID variant must have or may have gone on to wild mice. And when it's in wild mice, it would have picked up a number of, of, of different mutations very rapidly because it's in a different species and therefore it's more vulnerable to getting mutations. And then it hopped back to humans. And they reckon that's possibly how, how, it, how, it, how that came along in the first place. And for that reason, there's a heightened awareness of the risk of, um, of some animals if they can get it and carry it in their body for a while and it changes a bit, then it goes back to people, then that's where you could get a whole new strain developing and then we're back to, you know, quite a big crisis again because uh, we'd have another wave developing. Oh, gosh. And, uh, you know, tell us what, what you know about avian flu or the bird flu and things like that. I mean, does that affect yeah. humans? Because we look like we have got some of it on the island here. Well, that's, that's similar in a sense as well. And the whole issue with avian flu is that um, it can sometimes affect both species. So what you can do, what, what happens is a new strain of flu, the flu develops in birds. Then humans um, in close contact with the birds, if, if, if they pick up the flu, then it can go from human to human to human in a new strain of flu that can be very dangerous. And so, yeah, um, this is why vets and doctors these days talk about um, an, an idea called One Health, as in, you know, it's no longer just good enough to talk about human health and animal health. One Health means that it's all of us together and that although most diseases, very few diseases go from humans to animals to animals to humans all the time, there are these oddities 
And in particular, when there's a new virus, there are concerns that when other species get involved, it can um, get more complicated mutations starting, a new strain starting, when it starts to jump across the species. And so we just need to be aware of that risk. I would say to everybody with pets, you don't need to worry about your pets giving you COVID or anything like that. That was a, a possible concern at the very beginning of this whole thing a couple of years ago. But now we know the only thing is this, that if you are sick, if you're unwell yourself, whether it be COVID or anything else, if you're showing signs of illness, you should isolate yourself from your pets as best you can. In other words, you know, you, should, you shouldn't be having them up in your bed and be hugging them and letting them lick your face or anything like that. You should have a bit of space between you and your pets. And that way, a very small risk of a virus going from you to your pet and then possibly back from your pet to you in a mutated form, that's not going to happen. And that's why a little social distancing between you and your pet just when you're very sick yourself, that's what we should remember. Okay. All right, that's out of Hong Kong uh, this mm. morning. Uh, now, a couple of questions in for you, Pete Weatherburn. Uh, hi, Declan, could you please ask uh, Pete the vet how to clean my dog's ears? Uh, there's an odour coming from them, uh, but they don't seem dirty. Uh, there's no redness or there's no over-scratching. It's just the smell, which is very unpleasant. Thank you in advance. Well. Well, that's quite common, um, and it's because the ear is actually the perfect place for the multiplication of yeast and bacteria because it's a, the ear canal of the dog is very long and narrow, and at the base of it, it gets very warm and very moist, which is, which is like a, um, a laboratory incubator for producing growth of bacteria and yeast. And so as they multiply bacteria and yeast, irritate the lining of the ear just a little bit and that causes the lining of the ear to produce lots of brown wax and so you end up with a very waxy ear that's quite smelly. Um, the best answer in a case like that where the animal isn't bothered at all by it is to use a simple ear cleaner which you can buy over the counter at vets and at pet shops. Um, you're best to use one that's designed for, for dogs or for cats if it's a cat um, and you would, I would just recommend you use that twice a day for about three days and then maybe once or twice a week routinely all the time. And a lot of dogs, a lot of dogs of ears that aren't very well designed. Think about basset hounds or, or dogs with long droopy ears. And, and those dogs, they really benefit from having regular ear cleaning as part of their general maintenance. Um, and if you can clean away the wax, that also stops the bacteria and yeast from building up too much. And so that's the general idea. Very good. Thanks for that. Please, uh, can you ask Pete the vet? I have a Westie, six-year-old, and uh, recently it's waking up in the middle of the night for a drink. I go to bed, leaving her with a small bowl of water, but she wants more. Would she have something like diabetes? That's certainly probably the top of the list. Westies, more than some other breeds, are prone to conditions like diabetes, and there are a couple of other diseases that can also cause a sudden increase in thirst. The good thing about diabetes is that it's incredibly easy to diagnose. Actually, I know a vet who diagnosed it with his feet. Um, and you might say, how the heck could a vet diagnose diabetes with his feet? Well, what happened was the dog had piddled, and the vet yes. accidentally walked through a, a puddle of the urine, and he found that his feet were sticking to the floor afterwards. Right. And, and so he knew then there was lots of sugar in the urine. And he said, that dog's got diabetes. And he was absolutely right. But 
that's not the best way to test the sugar in the urine. In fact, that's a bit of a weird way to do it. Um, what you need to do is take a urine sample along to your vet, and the vet will use a little dipstick test, and they can tell you straight away if there's sugar in your dog's urine. And if there is sugar in the urine, then your dog's got diabetes. If there isn't sugar in the urine, then there will be other clues from the urine sample as to why she's drinking so much water. And, you know, there could be blood in the urine, there could be um, white blood cells. Um, the vet would measure the concentration of the urine, a few things like that. So that's what I'd recommend they do with that little Westie. Right. It's, it's not the solution just to give more water because there's obviously a, a there's something wrong there. there. Yeah. 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 Any change in habit like that means there's something that's not quite right going on. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Just looking at the time, we might squeeze these two in, uh, Pete here. Uh, for mm-hmm. Pete the vet, um, Terrier, 11 years old, chews its toes fur on its feet. Uh, now, um, it was a brown dog, but it's gone to cream colour dog. So the dog is chewing its toes fur. Yeah. Right. Well, so what you look for there is something that's causing irritation to the toes. Now, for example, if somebody changed a new floor cleaner, remember the dogs go around in their bare feet all the time, so they're very vulnerable to standing on things that irritate them. Um, if we went around our bare feet all the time, it's happened to us as well. Um, so are we checking everything um, in, the, in the pet's environment to see if there's, if there's something causing direct irritation? New carpets, new floor cleaners, um, new bedding, all those kind of things. New um, cleaner, perhaps a new type of detergent used to wash the dog's bedding. Issues like that. As well as that, some dogs get allergies to grasses and to, and to pollens, and, and that can start, can present as, as itchy feet. But I'd also say that there are some little mite that dogs can get that get between the dog's toes, and they can have, make them have itchy feet as well. And itchy feet are a kind of self-perpetuating problem because once a dog starts to nibble their feet, the actual process of nibbling causes irritation to the skin. And so the more they nibble, the more they want to nibble. And so it becomes a vicious circle. So in general, dogs with itchy feet, apart from you just checking out in case there's an obvious irritant, in general, you do need to go to your vet and they'll make sure they'll rule out little mites as a possible cause. And what they'll also be able to do is to give you medication to stop the feet being itchy. And if the dog, often if a dog just leaves the feet alone, you know, if, if the feet are made artificially not itchy by using anti-inflammatory drugs, if they leave the feet alone for, for, for a week or so, um, then when you stop the anti-itching drugs, they've got out of the habit, and, uh, and as long as the thing which initiated it has disappeared, often they're, they're perfect again after that. All oh, right. Okay. Poor old uh, dog mm. feeling it has mm. to do that, and of course, damaging itself a very big irritation. Uh, just mm. maybe a comment on this one. Uh, I don't know if there's an answer. Um, this texture says uh, we are convinced our German Shepherd died of COVID in December nineteen. Now the jury was still out of when COVID nineteen arrived in Ireland. Uh, there was uh, uh, seemingly, possibly, some cases involving humans uh, before it was uh, officially there in March. Um, she was fine, then started, uh, you know, having breathing problems and uh, uh, passed away. And myself and my husband were really sick at the time and uh, we were convinced we had COVID then. So I, I, I know you've no definitive answer, but what do you think of the premise? Well, I, I, I think it's very, very, very unlikely. Um, what we know is that there have been millions and millions of humans that have had COVID. And at the same time, there's been 
a very small number of recorded dogs with COVID. And if you look on the internet, you'll find that, yes, there are um, very occasional random cases of, of dogs that have died of COVID. But they're, you know, um, since the start of the pandemic, you know, the number of dogs and cats that have been positive will be in the hundreds, not in the thousands, never mind the millions. And that's around the whole world. Um, and most of the dogs and cats that have been affected have been only at minor signs. So, yes, I can't say it's impossible that your dog had COVID, but it's absolutely way more likely that your dog had one of the many diseases that are very, very common in dogs that can cause serious respiratory illness and death. And there's a, you know, there's a huge range, ranging from, from cancers to uh, other types of viral infections to bacterial infections. There's a long, long list. Unfortunately, the only way you could know for sure would be by doing an autopsy, and obviously... No, that can't be done. Time has passed. All right, uh, thanks for all that. Uh, Pete, Pete Weatherburn, who writes for the Irish Examiner. You'll find him at Pete uh, uh, Weatherburn at uh, the uh, Brave Vet on Old Connor. And uh, you have your own websites too, Pete. Yes, petethevet.com. If you go to petethevet.com, you'll find out about all the other bits and pieces that I'm up to these days. Very good. Okay, thanks for your time. We'll talk again uh, maybe next week. Thank you very much indeed.